0: If you were to play 99 Problems by Jay-Z at 343 you'd hear the words "You're crazy for this one, Rick," which is the voice of Jay-Z shouting out Rick Rubin for his part in making the song. How Rick got him to this place? Well, we don't know yet. That's what today is going to be about. I felt it was time after quoting Rick Rubin almost every single episode that we get to see who he actually is and why I reference him constantly. Rick Rubin is one of the most highly regarded music producers of our generation. When I say he's worked with the wildest range of people, I mean it. He's worked with Wu-Tang Clan to the Abbott Brothers, from Santana to Adele. I have so much respect for him because, creatively, he has altered the way that I see art and work and human interaction. Seriously, if there was a sensei of music, in my opinion, it would be Rick Rubin rick has such a vast and impressive career that we're going to get into but to me the most impressive part about him isn't the list of critically acclaimed musicians he's worked with or the podcast he runs or the book he published it is that he exists in the music industry one of the most media-centered places yet you only really know him if you look for him and that's not to say he's hiding he's quite public and has done numerous interviews but it's just that on top of being a genius he's also humble even if he worked with the Chili Peppers for years, he doesn't feel the need to make sure everyone knows it. And because of that, I feel like there's so much to unpack with him. So, I'm splitting this into a three-part series. If you listen regularly, then you already know this, but part one went up last week where we broke down what a music producer is, and in today's episode, we're going to do a deep dive into Rick's life and how he's perfected his career and then next week, the final part, will focus on what lessons we can take away from Rick. I'm extremely excited to do these episodes. I hold him to such a high regard as an artistic influence, and I think that after these episodes, you will all know why. <laughs> So, to start, one of the most shocking things about Rick is that even though he's credited on some incredibly influential music, the guy actually barely has any technical training. Even when asked, Rick says, and I quote, I barely play instruments. No, I can't work a soundboard. I have no technical ability and I know nothing about music. So, how the hell does a guy who can't play an instrument become a guy that every musician is dying to have in the room with them? The answer is taste. The answer is excellence. The answer is understanding. But in order for us to see how he's got to where he is, we have to take it back. Frederick Ray Rubin, or more typically known as Rick Rubin, grew up in Long Island, New York. At a young age, he started going to a bunch of underground punk and metal shows, and he was immediately hooked. From there, he continued to spend his time surrounded by music. But more than just the sound of music, Rick began to notice the way punk was changing the entire scene. And he was becoming extremely aware of how a group of specific people could end up flocking to one thing, the way that music brought people together and what that allowed them to express. So he started to integrate himself in it. This is the first time that we, as the consumer, get to see Rick following a hunch. And after the hours of research I've done, It's moments like this that I believe are the reason he's gotten as far in his career as he has. And I know it sounds stupid, but I'm serious. Learning to trust himself and follow what inspires him at such a young age ends up being a quality that defines Rick. And the fact that he has spent his entire life using this exact skill has led him to 19 Grammy nominations and 9 wins. As Rick grew up and was attending NYU, rap started to become the new scene in music. It was this constantly evolving and flourishing space with ideas and excitement. Artists like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys were just getting their starts, so of course Rick was extremely drawn to it. So again, he followed the spark. He began spending his time at hip hop clubs and making friends until the opportunity arose to work alongside an artist. And this decision led to the first record he ever produced. It was called It's Yours by Tilla Rock and Jazzy J. This is what he has to say about the production. I used to go to a reggae club called Negril on 2nd Avenue in New York when I was still a student at NYU. On Tuesdays they had a hip hop night. It was one of the first times you could ever hear hip hop music without going to the Bronx or Harlem. There weren't really clubs or parties in lower Manhattan so much. Jazzy J was my favorite DJ of all the DJs, and he was one of the DJs who would play at Negril. I just loved his DJing ability and his taste. I learned so much about music from just hanging out with him. At the club, I loved the music and recognized that the records that were coming out at this time, there were no albums and rap yet, just 12 inch singles. And the ones that were coming out didn't sound like what the club felt like. So It's Yours was almost a documentary style attempt at what it felt like going to a hip hop club and experiencing real hip hop music. Following this, right from his university dorm, Rick founded his own label, Def Jam Records. Russell Simmons, an up and coming artist in the hip hop scene, heard about Rick's production on It's Yours and ended up joining Rick and Def Jam Records. And the two of them would spend hours collecting demos and creating music together. However, after a few years, Rick ended up leaving Def Jam and moved to Los Angeles where he opened Deaf American Recordings and expanded into genres like rock and others. He produced a lot of musicians like Slayer, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash, Neil Diamond, and Tom Petty, but just years before he left, he worked on what I would say to be one of the most memorable and influential moments of his career, and it was when he made hip-hop mainstream and revived a dying rock band, all with one song. It was 1975 when Walk This Way by Aerosmith came out, but it was 1986 when Walk This Way by Run DMC came out. This release changed music forever. Though collaborating rock and rap had been something Rick had been dabbling with for a little bit, with songs like Rock Hard by the Beastie Boys and an ACD sample on LL Cool J's Rock the Bell. Even Run DMC themselves had already been working alongside Russell Simmons to try out some ideas, but it ended up being Walk This Way that sold the idea to the masses. The single peaked at number 4 on the charts and was the first rap song to ever crack top ten. This is what Rick has to say about how it was created. The rest of the Run DMC album, Raising Hell, had already been finished. I just had a feeling that there was something more that we could do that would help it. It was a funny time in rap music, in that the majority of people didn't understand what it was at all. People didn't think it was music, and I thought that if there was a reference point that could both feel honest as hip-hop and be familiar outside of hip-hop, It would help bridge the gap of explaining that this was actual music i was just listening through my record collection and the fact that the breakbeat of walk this way was already a familiar staple in the live hip-hop world just added to the message we could take something that was familiar and not change it so much just through the rapper's delivery reframe the song and unbelievably it happened it's amazing Getting Steven Tyler and Joe Perry to participate was easy. It was a funny time for them. They had just reformed and put out their reunion record, Done With Mirrors, and it was a flop. So they were kind of at a low point. And it just worked out. Also, they have always loved urban music, so they were really excited to participate in real urban street music. I remember when we discussed the idea of having Aerosmith come in with the Run DMC guys, and they were really against it. They didn't want to say words that they didn't write. They thought they were kind of, like, country. It didn't relate to their mentality, and I remember Russell Simmons called them and said, Just do what Rick says. And I'm so glad that they listened to Rick. This song isn't necessarily in five of my playlists or one I reach for all the time, but you can't argue against the fact that it will be written into the history books about music. Sure, rap was inevitably going to hit mainstream music at some point, because it's fantastic, but what a way to do it. To not only define a new era, but to do it collectively alongside the old era. It's honestly poetic. What followed this, like I said, was Rick's move to LA, where he spent time working with Jay-Z and Kanye West. To this day, his discography continues to just stockpile, with musicians like The Strokes, The Dixie Chicks, Slayer, Slipknot, Lana Del Rey, and Eminem. So, last week we looked at what it takes to be a producer, and how to be good at it. But now we're going to look at what specific things make Rick not only good, but great at what he does. And in my creative opinion, that is so wildly important and developed, (laughs) I have broken it down into three categories. Listening, understanding, and trust. I know at face value, those sound like three very basic skills that I don't need to explain. But I actually do, because each of these are extremely overlooked, and often misunderstood. Number one, the art of listening. I personally feel like listening might be the most misunderstood out of all three traits, and that's because there's a big difference between hearing and listening. When you're hearing something, say like the doorbell or the timer on the oven, it grabs your attention, but it doesn't hold it. You can simply answer the door or take the muffins out and move on, whereas listening is more of an activity. You can choose whether to engage or not, but a good listener knows that a big part of a great conversation is the ability to listen. So, this is one of the skills I believe Rick has mastered as a producer. The fact that he takes active participation in every conversation, even when he's not speaking, is the reason he understands what the artist wants to create, and therefore what they need to do it. And that is essentially the perfect recipe. You can see this trait shine in Rick in every interview he does. His ability to answer each question or statement with a well-thought-out and insightful response baffles me every single time. As humans, I feel like we assume so much about each other. We take our own experiences and often relay them onto others, expecting them to fit our perception of the world. Like, take one of your friends who you're not the closest with. You might refrain from telling them something due to the fact that last time you talked about it, you guys didn't agree. But sometimes what we forget is that time usually comes with growth. Our views and opinions change very often. So instead of going into a conversation assuming that you know what someone's going to say or how they're going to feel, give them the opportunity to say it themselves. Or in Rick's words, living in discovery is at all times preferable to living through assumptions. The second part to listening is more connected to being a producer, and I think being great at this comes with time, and that's having good taste. It's listening to music enough that you know what to add or what to take out, and I'm going to be blunt here. I don't believe that developing taste has anything to do with our personal bias. I could sit here and list off my 10 favorite albums, and maybe 10% of you would agree, because preference is subjective, but taste is slightly different. It's a deep understanding of all genres of music. What works sonically, what elicits emotion, what words tell the best story. It's the ability to guide a rap artist in one direction, and then wake up the next day and go work with Adele. But to have taste, you have to listen. You have to listen to the best and the worst of every genre until you understand enough to know what is actually good or wrong about it. And this leads into the second category of what makes a good producer great. Number two, understanding. To be someone who understands, you have to listen well, which is just what we covered. But listening well as a music producer allows you to identify the story that the artist wants to tell. It allows you to pick up on which parts the artist is not willing to get rid of. And if you can nail that, then each studio session is already 10 times better. Because if the artist feels like you care and that they can trust you, then they are already in a much safer place to create themselves. On top of this, a great music producer understands culture. They know what resonates with people, what stirs them up, and what is a breakthrough idea. This understanding allows them to push their artists to the max creatively. And that is incredibly important, because ultimately, a producer's goal is to get the best out of the artist. Lastly, an understanding is the idea of the actual production. Whether it's a movie, song, or company, being a producer also means that you know before setting a goal if you can actually achieve it. It means that you understand the industry, timelines, goal setting, and work ethic. If your goal is to make a great album, then I think it's often important to allow the artist to just create, which means it's your responsibility to see that they do that efficiently, but also without ruining the creative flow. The last and final category is trust. And I'm not talking about trusting the artist, or the audio tech, or the label manager. I'm talking about the ability to trust yourself. There has been a lot of good songs recorded and released, but the great ones stand out. The complication is that a good song can be boiled down to a recipe. Good lyrics, well-thought-out bassline, addicting melody. But a great one can't. A great song has this passion and joy embedded inside of it. A great song is... The type of song that leaves the consumer baffled over the fact that a mind could even think it up and then execute it so well. But that doesn't happen if the artist or the producer isn't willing to take a risk. My point goes back to the Henry Ford quote I used last week. If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Greatness doesn't come from reproduction. Greatness in art comes from honesty and new ideas. So. A great music producer knows that to get there takes trial and error, and therefore experience. If we jump back to the story about Walk This Way, to use as an example, this is exactly what makes Rick great at his job. If he was just a good producer, he would have continued to make different songs with hip-hop groups or rap artists until one broke through the top ten, and he would have told Aerosmith to keep working at it, and eventually something would click and they would have another successful record. But instead, he saw two problems and had an intuition that he could fix both in a bold way. If Rick didn't have the trust in his creative influence enough to take risks, he would not be anywhere near where he is today. I was listening to the Hooperman Lab podcast and his second time interviewing Rick Rubin, and Andrew asked, When you're listening to artists, are you listening for something, or are you just staying open for something that you might hear? That will trigger a certain state in you that you recognize and this is what he had to say i'm open to just see what's happening like i listen and recognize is this making me lean forward am i curious to see what's going to happen next if the thing that happened is different than what i thought was going to happen next that could be interesting you know i listen to a lot of music when it doesn't do what's expected it's really interesting especially if it sounds good if it works So with that, I think curiosity is the last part to this. It's important to notice what draws your attention, because one day when you look back, it's going to be very telling of who you are. Following a spark or an intuition is what began Rick's career, and it's what he continues to utilize every day. If you're interested in the world, the world will become interesting. Or in his perspective, living life as an artist is a practice. You are either engaging in the practice or not. It makes no sense to say that you're not good at it. It's like saying, I'm not good at being a monk. You are either living as a monk or you're not. We tend to think of artists' work as the output. The real work of the artist is a way of being in the world. Ultimately, what Rick Rubin does is brings his taste to the table. But more importantly, he curates the best environment for the creator. He lights the candles. He finds them the best chair. He uses his strength of listening in order to deeply understand what the artist wants to accomplish, and then he taps in creatively to offer a solution when prompted. One of my favorite stories that I've heard Rick tell on podcasts about setting up an artist for success is about Neil Diamond. They were in the studio and Rick said, it'd be great if you could play on the album. And Neil said, why would I play on the album when we can have the best guitar players in the world? I never play on my albums. And when Rick tells the story, he says, When he was showing me the songs, he was playing guitar and singing them. And when he was playing guitar and singing them, he had to focus on the guitar because he's not an automatic guitar player. And the vocal got more real because he was just distracted enough to not be able to put all his attention on, I'm going to do this great vocal performance, right? So it became more believable. He played guitar on the album, and it wasn't because I wanted his guitar playing. But because i wanted him to have something to do to free his voice to be completely natural and it's beautiful so that is your brief but sort of long dive into who rick rubin is and what i believe he has mastered in his career and in his life for that matter next week we're going to get into a more philosophical side of rick we're not going to talk about his accomplishments or his skills like we have today we're going to look at him as a teacher Rick has said so many things that have altered the way I view success, and I feel that he really does have so much life experience, and because of that, so many things to offer. I've put up a poll on Spotify of some of the songs Rick has produced, and I'm curious to know what your favorite is. The Instagram, TikTok, email, and all sources are in the show notes, as always. Let's let music bring us together, and don't forget to grow up slowly.